Hey listeners, I'm Adam, and this is Can I Ask You a Question, a podcast where anyone is welcome to join me for an episode to share their thoughts on a topic of their choice. I'm looking forward to hearing new opinions and perspectives, and hopefully becoming a bit more open-minded along the way. If you're interested in joining me for a future episode, feel free to check out the sign-up link in this episode's description. Well, thanks again for taking the time. Really appreciate it, Mark. Sure. Um, is it all right if we jump in now? Yes, sir. Go right ahead. Perfect. So wanted to start off by just asking for your thoughts on multitasking. Multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> multitasking is a myth. <laughs> Am I unclear on that? Your brain, neuroscience has figured out the brain can only do one thing at a time. And when we are playing the multitasking game and we're like, oh, yeah, I'm multitasking. I'm working on multiple things at once. No, your brain is only working on one thing at a time. And what they're finding out is the more things you try to balance plates in the air, balls in the air, whatever you want to say, the more of these things have going on, your efficiency for all the items starts going down. So let's say you're working on one project and you're only working on one project and you're focused on that one project. And then you add another project, another task, an email, text message, whatever. Now your efficiency begins to go down. Someone walks in your office and you start talking to that person while you're looking at your phone, while you're trying to do the PowerPoint. Now the efficiency for everything starts going down. So the more things we are working on, the efficiency for everything goes down. And that's why the experts like me say, always do one project and then get to a stopping point and then switch to another project. I tend to agree. I, I wonder though, if you, if you pulled people on multitasking, what percentage of people do you think would say it's effective? Oh, I think probably the high nineties. I think people <laughs> are fooling themselves. They're like, well, yeah, I can, I can write an email with my left hand, text on my right hand, talk to the person walking my office, but I'm like, okay, let's have you do it for a day and let's review the quality of everything you did during the day and be an, give an honest assessment. I have got to believe that if you do an honest assessment, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, look at all the spelling mistakes in this email, and I sent the wrong message to the wrong person, and I forgot who I talked to, because we are so distracted, because we're trying to do too many things at once, it's better to do one task for 30 minutes, like say, work on a project, and then you do email for 15 minutes, and then you do... Um, text messaging for 15 minutes, and then you go talk to a coworker for, for, for 30 minutes, whatever the case may be. It's better to do one thing at a time than try to do multiple things at once. So what about, what about stuff like, um, doing work while, while you've got stuff in the laundry or listening to music while you're working? Like, how do you, what do you deter, what do you consider multitasking and what, and what's not? It's interesting you bring up about the laundry because huh. one of the things that people, um, you know, who work from home struggle with is you know, we have laundry to do, we have dishes to wash, we have load dishwashers to load and unload. And people said to me, "Okay, Mark, you know, I'm tempted. What am I supposed to do?" I'm like, "Schedule them," and they're like, "I'm sorry, what? I schedule? Look, if you are going to be tempted to put a load of laundry in the washing machine." then why not schedule a 30 minute chunk of your time during the day that says chores. And that way it's a win-win you get the chores done, but it doesn't interrupt your day. Does it make sense? So you're actually scheduling time 
for the household chores, the temptations. And if it's not scheduled, you don't do it. Hope I'm not unclear. No, that makes sense. Uh, what about, uh, what are your thoughts on, on things like listening to a podcast while you're exercising or walking? Cause I personally, I find sometimes it can take away from how present I am with the other thing. And I wonder if that depends on, I guess, how much, how much cognitive effort is each task taking? Well, as a daily runner, I run three miles a day and I run every day and I usually listen to either podcasts or audiobooks. Okay. Right. Sometimes music. Because when I'm out and about, let's face it, what are you going to do when you're running? You can't read a book. You can't do a webinar. <laughs> you're really limited what you can do. Or if you're on a bike ride or jog or whatever. And so I don't think that's really multitasking because when I'm out running, I'm not like paying attention to where my feet go. My feet know where to go. They hit the <laughs> ground. Yeah. Uh, they know when I go to a street to look both ways, not trap, you know, walk across or run across during traffic. So I don't think that's really multitasking. I mean, I guess maybe on some level it is, but for me, I'm listening to the podcast or the audio book or whatever, but I'm not really thinking about how I'm running. I mean, I've been running for over two years now every day, and and so it's just automatic for me. I don't have to think about it. Uh, maybe if you're first starting an exercise routine, maybe you shouldn't do the music or the podcasting or the audiobooks. Maybe you should pay attention to what you're doing. But when you become doing something all the time, then I think it's okay to start doing other things while you're doing the exercise. Yeah, it's interesting. I tend to agree with you, and I, I also listen to music or or listen to podcasts and stuff when when I'm exercising. But I like I notice sometimes maybe I'm I'm running and I see a new restaurant pop up and and that comes into my mind and it takes me away from the podcast for a few seconds. So there still seems to be some trade-off, but maybe you're saying it's it's still worthwhile because you're getting most of of it. Yeah, well, let's face it. We live in a very distracted world. You cannot be in the zone unless you go to like Nectar Island or Richard Branson's Island and there's no internet access and you're all alone in the jungle or something like that. Other than that, you're going to be distracted. If you work in modern society, you have text messages and emails and phone calls and social media. So you're not going to be able to completely shield yourself, you know, hundred percent of the time it's going to happen. Life's going to happen. You're going to be in the middle of writing a blog post or writing your book and someone's going to knock at the door. FedEx is going to be at your door. I mean, you can't plan it, especially if you weren't expecting the package, someone sent it to you as a gift or something like that. So you just had to roll with it. I mean, you mentioned the restaurant, you know, stuff like that happens. You know, you, you're, you're out there running, you're out there exercising, your eyes are looking at, you know, the, the trail, looking at other riders, they're looking at the traffic and you're going to see things. You, you can't go get too hard on yourself. It's just part of life. Yeah. Um, so a lot, a lot of my episodes are, are focused around, um, I guess looking at at people and and trends and and how things are are changing over time. So when I think about productivity and multitasking, or or just productivity in general, at least from my perspective, throughout history, we we've gotten a lot more productive. But I'm curious if you have any concerns. You talked about how people seem to be multitasking a lot more than than ever. Um, do you have any concerns about? about us generally becoming less productive with distractions like social media or, I don't know, virtual reality and, and different things in the future? 100%. 100%. We are 
no longer, I won't say everyone, but a vast majority of people are not living in the here and now. How many times have you been at a networking event or some other kind of party or something like that and people are on their phones? Mm-hmm. I make it a rule that when I'm invited to someone's party or to a networking event, if I'm talking to someone, I'm not on my phone. Yeah, my phone, my phone is muted. My, I first of all, I turn my vibration mode off on the phone, so every time I get a text message or something, I don't doesn't vibrate in my pocket. Um, I, I want to give the people who I'm talking to 100 percent of my attention, and I think that there's this word being tossed around the world now called adulting. I think we need to act like adults. If you are someplace and you are in front of someone, you should be giving your attention to that person. You should not be checking Facebook or your text messages or looking around who else you would need to talk to. This person is talking to you. This person's right in front of you. They are the most important person. I, I once heard, I've never met the man, but I once heard that President Bill Clinton, when he talked to you, you're the only person in the world. He looked you right in the eye. I guess uh, Warren Buffett's the same way. It's a very unique skill that people have where when you talk it to them, you know that no one else matters because most people are going, okay, this is nice, but who else is important here? Who else can I talk to? Oh, do I get a text message from the leader of my country? No, you didn't. So we have to be present. I think with all these distractions in our world today, people are becoming, uh, they're not living in the present moment. They're living in some kind of virtual world, whether in the past or the uh, past or the future. And I think we need to be living in the present world. Yeah. So I, I definitely agree with you on when you're when you're engaged in a conversation with someone, keeping your phone out of the picture and, and really being focused in on that on that conversation you're having. Where where I struggle a lot or and thinking through it is when I'm in public spaces. So for instance, if I'm on on the subway or jogging, for instance, but taking the subway as an example, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm usually on my phone, either organizing my to-do list or uh, reading, reading an ebook or something like that. And I don't know, I question, I look, I look around the subway, everyone's kind of just dialed in on their phone, no one's communicating. And it's, it's not to say that I would necessarily be chatting up with other people on the subway, but it's little things, you're not it seems like you're kind of um, everyone's disconnected from each other. And I, I'm curious your your thoughts on that. Well, you're right. I mean, we are living in these rectangular things we carry around with us. And that is our life. And there's people all around us. And we're so focused on this little tiny screen in front of us. And I think it's crazy. Um, a book I highly recommend everyone go out and get and read is uh, Cal Newport's uh, book called Deep Work. In there, he talks about embracing the boredom. And how many times are you in line at the supermarket and there's like four or five people ahead of you? Instead of like striking up a conversation with someone in line, what do you do? You pull out your phone, you check your text messages, you check Facebook, you check Instagram, whatever. And like, why not embrace the boredom? Why not just be quiet? Why not just don't think about anything. It's like we always have to be thinking about something 24-7, 365, and our brains are processing all this stuff all day long. Well, why can't we just like, okay, I'm standing in line. It's going to be five minutes, whatever. I'll just I'll just stand here. Why do we have to be doing something? And then people go, oh, I'm trying to be productive. Checking Facebook for 10 minutes while you're <laughs> in line at the supermarket, that's not being productive. I, I hate to shatter that illusion for people. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe there's no right answer, but – uh, sorry for going back to the the jogging uh, example again, but it, it's just something I bring up uh, as well because it's something I resonate with. And 
if I wasn't listening to a podcast, I, I'd probably be, I don't know, I'd, I'd probably observe the architecture of the buildings around me a bit more. I'd, I'd take in the weather and, and, and various things that I'm, I feel like I'm missing out on, but, um, I guess, yeah, I guess it's a trade-off. No, I, I understand your point. And here's what I do sometimes. If I'm listening to a podcast and like, let's say it takes me a couple of days to get through it. And then the day I finish the podcast, let's say I've got 10 minutes left of my, of my run. Well, I may not start another podcast. I mean, you know what? I'm just going to run in silence the rest of the way home. So I, I don't say, okay, every time I'm out running, I'm going to listen to something. Sometimes I just want to run in silence. I mean, sometimes I just, you know, I run on trails and there's, you know, there's bunny rabbits and there's, you know, you know, thankfully no crocodiles or alligators, <laughs> but you know, there's, there's birds and stuff like that, or squirrels or turtles and stuff like that in the creek or whatever, you know, you're right. If you are so busy focused on the trail and listening to the podcast, you're missing the beauty that is all around us. So I don't, I agree with you. There's no wrong or right answer here. I think you need to do what works for you. For me, I can only listen to podcasts when I'm out on a run or mowing the lawn or in the car. I, I cannot be working and hear people talking. I can listen to music, but I can't hear people talking. So I embrace that opportunity to listen to audiobooks and podcasts that way. Right. Uh, I saw on your website you talked about five common distractions you see being social media, email, people, entertainment, and your own mindset. Curious. Do you see them those aspects being used productively in some ways and and kind of key to a, to to living like a, a good life and where where the, where's the differences uh, between where it's detrimental and and versus productive? Well, I don't think email and social media is ever going to go away. Okay, but you get to choose whether it's going to be an ally or an enemy of yours. So if you live in your email and you don't need to be in your email all the time, well, now it's not a, a, an ally to you. It's more of an enemy. And so I think what people need to do is, first of all, turn off all your notifications for social media and email. You're not that important. I'm not that important. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> but, you know, we live in a world of streaming, uh, streaming um, entertainment. And that's why one of the distractions on the list is entertainment because we have Hulu, we have Netflix. Now we're going to have Apple, Apple TV plus Disney plus ESPN plus everyone's coming out with their own streaming services. And so you could watch TV 24, seven, 365 for the rest of your life and not make a dent in everything that's available. And I think we need to have some responsibility and we need to say, okay, wait a minute. Okay. Is what I'm going to do going to move the needle toward my goals. Now I'm also someone who said it's okay to be on social media as long as you have boundaries. In other words, I'm going to go on Facebook for 30 minutes or I'm going to Instagram for 30 minutes. Now I'm talking, I'm not talking about promoting your business or your brand. I'm talking about consuming stuff. I think it's okay to do that. I think it's okay to watch YouTube videos. As long as you have some way of stopping, most people go on these social media platforms and they have nothing stopping them other than passing out from the exhaustion. That's not a good thing. Same with TV. I watch TV, but I have a rule. I've got to, earn the right to watch TV. How do I, what do I mean by that? It means I had to put in a good day's work and then I sit down and watch TV guilt-free, you know, whether you're on social media or email or watching TV or whatever, you, you got to practice being mature and say, okay, did I have a good day? No, maybe I should go do some work. Most people I got to believe are trying to do the best they can. 
and I had no problem with watching TV. My problem is when you watch eight hours of TV a night and that's 56 hours a week, that's a lot of TV. Most, they said the last study I've seen is like between 35 and 40 hours of TV a week. That's a lot of television because you only get 168 hours a week to live anyways. And if you take 40 hours and you're watching TV and then you add social media on top of that, and then you add sleep on top of that, you're really quickly running out of time. Yeah. Yeah. 35, 40 hours is, is a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about the types of, so if we think about email, text message, certain things where people are communicating with you, um, personally, I can't remember the last time I left my house without my phone. And part of that, when I think through it is probably, I feel as though I have an obligation to other people to be responsive. Uh, have you thought about that? And is is it is it simply around setting the expectations with others that maybe you're not going to answer their text message right away and you'll get back to them the next day? You know, it's interesting because one of the things I've been practicing is setting those very expectations because I had a client that always responded to emails within an hour. And when he hired me, I said, you know, dude, that's you're setting yourself up for a disaster because you're training these people to get responses from you nearly immediately. And sure enough, he had to take a half a day. He had to go to have a medical procedure or something done. And people were outraged that they had to wait four hours for reply. I said, dude, it's your fault. (laughs) It's your fault. You conditioned them. I said, look, you should tell people, hey, listen, expect to reply to me within 72 hours, 96 hours on Fridays. And I don't work weekends. Set the expectations and then don't violate your rules. So in other words, if you set your work hours nine to five, don't reply to emails after five o'clock because what happens is people go, oh, I got an email eight o'clock. I want to email him back because he's working right now. So set the expectations. My clients know if they email me or text me, I don't have any promise. I'll reply to you very quickly. Okay. Because I'm a productivity coach. Okay, I'm not a brain surgeon. I'm not a trauma surgeon. I'm not, uh, you know, a warrior on the front lines. I'm a productivity coach. No one's going to call me and say, oh, my gosh, I'm having a productivity meltdown. It doesn't happen. (laughs) And so I'm like, you know what? What I do is I'll put my phone face down. I don't have vibration on. And I'm just with my wife and I'm watching television. And it's not that important. I think people who go around bragging, they work 12, 14, 16 hours a, a day all week long. I'm like, for what? I mean, for, really, for what? I mean, come on, you got to enjoy life too. Yes, you have to work hard, but you also have to enjoy life you have because you only have one. Yeah. Uh, I was talking about this with a coworker uh, earlier today, um, and we were talking about note taking during a meeting uh, and how even that can, can be distracting uh, to yourself where you're taking notes and in that in that time where you're synthesizing whatever you just heard, you're missing what's happening next. Uh, like, ha- have you thought about that? Uh, would you, would you have any any comments on on that? Like, does it take you away from the meeting? How do you decide whether or not to take notes or just just uh, completely uh, stay present in, in what they're talking about? I think you need to take notes. I yeah. mean, you need to take notes when I'm on a call with a client. Um, you know, we do zoom video calls cause it's great looking at people. And I tell them, look, I said, you're going to see most, mostly top of my head, most of the, the, the video because I'm taking notes. Okay. Now my notes are not neat. You know, I'm, I'm scribbling just enough because I need to remember, you know, go back and say, okay, you mentioned this, that, and the other thing. Cause I don't have the greatest brain in the world, 
Uh, when you're in a meeting, I think you need to take notes, but you got to practice. How do I pay attention and how do I take notes? But you don't need to write a whole paragraph. Sometimes you just need to write the idea. Right. I think a lot of people go overboard with the notes. They want to get everything they said. No, just write down the general idea. And then you'll remember. You just, the notes are meant to recall what you learned or heard later. They're not you're, When you're taking notes, it's not supposed to be verbatim every word they said because you, you'll never catch up. You'll lose from, from the from the moment they start speaking. So just take the notes. Uh, that's another thing is when you take notes, take notes that resonate with you. So if someone says something, it doesn't resonate with you. Don't, don't take notes. People are thinking, Oh, I got to take down everything they said. No, take down what resonates with you. So if they talk for 30 minutes, but only said one thing that resonates with you, just write that one thing down. What are you writing everything else down for? If it didn't resonate with you. You're wasting your time. Yeah. Is there, is there a minimum amount of time you think about spending on a task, you talked about putting everything in your calendar, even, I don't know, um, doing laundry or whatever. Uh, so will you sometimes put like two minute tasks in your calendar just to have them in there? My rule of thumb is if it takes more than five minutes, it goes on my calendar, less than five minutes, it goes on my to-do list. Okay. What I do is I schedule every moment of my day and there's two ways to look at scheduling. There are fixed appointments like this interview with you. Yeah. And then there's flexible appointments. Now, flexible appointments are like I read for 60 minutes a day. Why? Because I found out high performers like Mark Cuban, Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, they read a lot. I'm like, okay, I want to be like them. So I read a lot. So I put that in my calendar, but it goes in my calendar as a flexible appointment. I can, it doesn't matter if I read from 10 to 1030 or 130 to 2. It doesn't matter as long as I get my reading done. I'm a firm believer that if you don't tell your time where to go, you wonder where, where it happened, where it went, where to go, uh, eight hours, where to go. And so you, what you, what I recommend you do is you, when you plan your day, you immediately put all of the fixed appointments, sales calls, coaching calls, podcast interviews, whatever you put all that on your planner. And then you say, okay, that's five hours of my eight hour day. Okay. Well, how am I going to fill these other three hours in? And that's why I keep a running log on my planner Anytime an idea pops into my head, I'm getting really good at this. Instead of doing it right then and there, I open my planner, switch over to tomorrow's date, and there's a spot that says tasks that must be done today. And I write down everything I want to do the next day. And then when I'm making my plan, I say, okay, I have two hours extra space. Well, I can't do all nine of these things. What things do I want to do today? But the important thing is you got to capture that stuff first. Capture that stuff first. And then when you're making your plan, which I think everyone should plan their day, then you can sit there and go, okay, what goes where? Okay, I can't do this. That's going to take too long. I'll do this the next day. But capture it so you don't forget it. I like that. Do you use the same logic around goal setting as you do with multitasking? Meaning, do you do you try to only set one goal at a time or do you have multiple goals uh, in mind at once? Oh, I no, I have multiple goals. I mean, cause you, you're going to have multiple business goals, multiple personal goals. You know, you, it's okay to have multiple goals. The thing that I learned from Grant Cardone in his book, uh, 10X rule is you got to have your goals be really big. So many people are coming up with really small goals. Let's say you make a hundred thousand dollars this year and like, okay, my goal next year is 110,000. No, it should be a million dollars next year because like Grant says, would you rather fall short on a million dollar goal or a hundred thousand dollar year goal? And so it here's the thing. When you dream big, it doesn't cost you any money. All you're doing is when you write your goals, if you want to have a million dollar goal, 
it's just it's just a goal on a piece of paper. Okay, it, it's not like you're spending money. But if you dream small, you'll live small. If you dream big, you'll live big. So when you're making your goals, make multiple goals. There's no right number of goals. Some people say you should have three personal and three business. No. You need to do what works for you. If you want to have six personal goals and three business goals, don't let anybody tell you that's wrong. You need to figure out what works for you, but I think you need to have goals. I I am shocked at the number of people that I meet that have no goals. If I put a gun to their head, a loaded gun to their head, and say, "Show, tell me your goals, I would kill them. They, would, they don't have any ideas. How do you live without goals? I mean, how do you live from day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute? You have no goals. I mean, why are you here? I'm like, I know I should have goals. You talk about it all the time. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of important because if you look at the high performers, the very successful people in the world, they have goals. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk want to colonize Mars, which I think is silly, but they want to, that's a big goal. <laughs> they want to colonize Mars. If you want to know why I think it's silly, you can ask, but they have big goals. They don't say, well, geez, you know, let's, let's increase our revenue by one tenth of 1% next year. Okay, no, they have big goals. I mean, now Amazon is saying, okay, if you're a Prime member, you may get delivery the next day because Walmart started saying we'll do two-day delivery, and Amazon said one day, and events will be the same day, and someday they'll be ordering, they'll be delivering it to you before you even think you need it. So it's crazy to see how it's working out, but you got to have goals, and they've got to stretch you. So I agree with you on that, that you need ambitious goals. I really like the 10X rule. Two things that came to mind, though, from – um, when you're talking, one is from my personal experience, even if I have goals in different areas of my life, maybe one is fitness related, maybe one is around this podcast, for instance, I've found, and this might just be my personal experience, but usually I, I can only really make really good pro progress on one at a time. And I think of the book, I think it's called the one thing, which is sort of focused around saying, uh, you can really only have one priority at once. Yes. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I, I tend to agree with you that that you should have multiple goals, but um, yeah, that's something I, I've noticed. Is I tend to make progress on one primarily at a time. Um, and then the second thing you said about goals being necessary and 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 question or wondering why so many people don't have goals. So I've thought a bit about this, and um, you talked about how sometimes it should be okay to do nothing. And I've thought, I've, I've put some thought around like i don't know being being satisfied with what you have and 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 like pushing for more and i think it relates to goal goal setting and and being content with what you have and and setting goals for more so i don't know i, I talked a lot there but curious if you have any thoughts on anything i just said oh yeah first of all you know i have one big goal and everything else falls beyond underneath that goal. So in other words, like one of my goals right now, my big goals is to earn $1 million a month. Okay. Now there'll be some people listening to this conversation go, dude, I make that in a day. Well, good for you. I'm not there yet. Okay. So my first goal is make a million dollars a month and then maybe $10 million a month, a hundred million dollars a month. Those are my goals. Underneath that is growing my podcast, becoming, making my name more synonymous with productivity expert, which then gives me more cl coaching clients, which then helps me make that big goal. So I believe having one huge goal, or as Jim Collins says, and built to last one big carry all days goal. And then everything else underneath that feeds that. And as you're planning your day, you're planning your time, you go, okay, is this going to move the needle toward make, toward me achieving my big carry all days goal? 
So watching eight hours of TV, probably not. Being on your podcast, better chance of it than watching eight hours of TV. So I'm always evaluating whether or not what I'm doing is going to move the needle. I think that's very important. Right. And then what about the second piece around um, whether goals take you away from being satisfied with, with where you are and, and, and being content? Um, I, I know I know people say it's, it's about the journey, not the destination, which I think is good advice. What would, is that what your comment would be around? Uh, like, would you say that you can, you can still be happy where you are while setting ambitious goals and, and wanting to achieve more? I think that you should be happy no matter what you do. So if you are listening to this conversation and you're not happy, making more money is not going to make you happy. Changing careers is not going to make you happy. Moving to another country or another city is not going to make you happy. You need to figure out why are you not happy now? Because I believe that if you don't understand why you're not happy, you're just going to be changing the paint on on your house. You know, it's got, it's infested with termites, but you just put a fresh coat of paint on it. And a lot of people don't stop and consider that very powerful question. Why, why am I not happy? Because I heard a number of people told me over my career that if you're unhappy and poor, well, you're going to be a rich, unhappy person because you haven't addressed why you're not happy. Money doesn't make you happy. A new car doesn't make you happy. Maybe for a day or two, but after a while you're like, oh man, it's another car. I got to pay insurance on it. Why are you not happy? Or better yet, why are you happy? What makes you happy? And most people are so busy going from minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day. They don't stop and think, you know, I don't like what I'm doing. Well, if you're still sucking air, then why don't you go find something you love to do? I heard a podcast once with Adam Grant, and there's this girl who was a zookeeper, hated being a zookeeper, but she found her passion in life. And what she does is she teaches people about animals. She loves it. It took her a while to find it, but she found it. What is your thing? What do you love to do? Forget about the money. See, everybody focuses on the money. First of all, oh, do I make a lot of money? Do I get vacation? Do I get medical? No, stop that. Okay. What would you do the rest of your life? Even if you never got paid for it, like take mother Teresa, she was poor working in the the, the slums and the ghettos of Calcutta. She was happy. No money. Okay. So money's not gonna make you happy. What do you want to do? That'll make you happy. If you won't do what you love to do for free, they'll make you happy. Then you're never going to be happy because you're always going to be trying to pursue the next watch, the next car, the next mansion, the next yacht. You're never going to be happy. You got to be happy now because nothing, things don't make you happy. Right. So it's thinking through what would you do if, if you, if money wasn't an object? Yeah. I mean, sit down. Get a piece of paper or a pad of paper, uh, get some pens, get your favorite beverage, go someplace quiet and just say, okay, what do I really love to do? And just start writing. And what's going to happen is you're going to start writing a whole bunch of stuff, you know, write, 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 write. And all of a sudden it's going to be, the well's going to be dry. And this is where most people give up, stick with it. Because then all of a sudden after you wait, and it could be a minute, could be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. All of a sudden, you're going to start getting these ideas that are buried in your subconscious mind. Like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about that in 15 years. Oh, I used to love doing that. And you start writing these things down. And then as you start looking like, oh my gosh, that's what I want to do with my life. But people don't want to take the time doing the exercise. They just say, well, 
<sighs> this is my lot in life, I guess. This is all there is, I <laughs> guess. You remember remember the Winnie the, remember Winnie the Pooh? Yeah. Okay. There are people who are Winnie the Pooh, and there are people who are Eeyore. You know Eeyore? I remember the name. I can't draw okay. r- r- my memory. On yeah, Eeyore characters. is the guy who says, woe is me. Oh, it's always going to turn out bad. Yeah. And Winnie the Pooh is like, hey, just give me, I'll, I don't care if there's bees in the honey, scoops up the honey and eats the honey. Or even worse, or even better, I should say, is be Tigger, T-I-double-G-R. I mean, he was so happy. I mean, why not be happy? I love what I do. I mean, when I do, you know, coaching calls, sometimes I give away free coaching calls and no one buys. I, I don't care. I help someone. I don't care. I love what I do. You know, do you wake up and go, oh my gosh, it's Monday. Or do you wake up and say, oh man, it's Monday. Oh, it's a morning. Another day I could do help people. It's all your, and you can't just say, oh, I'm happy. And you can't fake it. You, you got to say, okay, what is going to make me happy? And then go do that. Too many people are trying to fake it till they make it in terms of happiness. You got to you got to be happy and if you're not happy, find out why you're not happy and find out what's going to make you happy. Yeah. I, that's a good point. I I think a lot about it and I think maybe like a lot of people end up in a job or career and maybe they realize it's it's not for them and it it feels hard to make a switch to a passion of theirs, but I guess you can you can do it on the side, right? And you can you can still spend time on it. You're yeah. even if you have a nine to five job, that doesn't define your life, right? Exactly, and that's the thing. Um, there's a guy, an entrepreneur named Pat Flynn, and when he was building his business, Smart Passive Income, he wanted to spend time with his kids. So what he do? He would spend time with his kids during the day, and then when they went to bed at like seven, eight o'clock at night, when they were little kids, that's when he would go to work. So you have twenty four hours in the day. So let's say you have little kids. And you want to do what Pat Flynn does, then you spent time with your kids. When they go to bed, then you go to work. I mean, there's ways around this. If you're working nine to five, there's this thing called weekends. There's this thing called after work. So don't say, well, I got a job at the job. Yeah, you don't work 24 hours, seven days a week at the job. You have time off. When you're commuting, if you take a subway, well, you could be, instead of you know listening to music, you could be sitting there jotting out ideas for a book you want to write or a course you want to create or uh, a company you want to create. You know, Use that downtime. Here's an idea we talked about earlier, embracing boredom. When you're at the supermarket and there's like a whole bunch of people, carry a little notebook like those old detective notebooks with you so you're not on your phone. Don't be on your phone. Take out the notebook and start writing notes like, oh, I got an idea for a book. And you start jotting down ideas. And there you go. And all of a sudden you do this for, I don't know, two, three, four, five months. And all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I got a book. But what most people do, again, they pull out their phone and surf Instagram instead of like doing something that's going to help them move the needle. Yeah. Uh, so you've, you've obviously thought about productivity more than pretty much anyone. <laughs> little, uh, little bit. <laughs> curious, is there anything you still find yourself questioning or any any aspects of it that you find that you're still curious about or are unsure about? I call myself a productivity expert, but I prefer the title productivity student. I'm always looking for how I can become more productive. And here's the thing. It may not come from another productivity guru. It may come from the crossing guard at your school. It may come from the janitor in your building. You got to keep your opportunity antennas up and not be afraid to learn. Don't say, oh, they're just a cashier or they're just a secretary. They may be more productive than you. They may give you one 
strategy to help you be more productive. So I'm always keeping my eyes open. I don't judge people. I'm always like, wow, that's pretty cool. I wonder how I can implement that. And so I, I, my, my tip to the people is always keep your mind open to learning new ideas because I'm fascinating. I'm fascinated by, I'm fascinating too, I guess I'm fascinated by <laughs> um, always learning new things. I don't have a closed mind. I have an open mind. I, I want to learn. I, I genuinely want to learn. I'll read books that I'll get one idea out of and I'm like, you know, that was worth it. That one idea, that one sentence was worth it. But if you're not exposing yourself to new ideas, whether it's podcasts or books or audio books or YouTube videos, whatever, I, I think you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. So like what would be some example of, of, of questions that are still somewhat unanswered for you? Like I can give an example and, and we've talked about it. An example would be waiting in line at the grocery store and I'm still unsure about, uh, should I be listening? Like, is it all right if I listen to podcasts or I don't know, maybe if I'm, uh, not on my phone or anything, I'll end up having a cool conversation with someone in line. And maybe I shouldn't have phrased it as like, am I allowed to, or should I do this? Obviously I can, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's an example of something I still question. I'm curious if like what, what some of those questions might be for you. My big question, obviously I teach people how to deal with distractions is why are so many people so distracted, especially on social media, because social media is designed to keep you on the platform until you die. Okay. (laughs) They never want you to leave. And yet I see people scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. I won't talk about my wife. Well, I can because I talk around my podcast too. And I'm like, why do you, why are you on social media all the time? I'm like, read a book. It's like, it drives me nuts. And it's like, everyone's on their phones. It's like, well, why aren't you on your phone? I'm like, because I'm in front of you. I'm like, why, you know, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 54 and I grew up with, with, there's no internet, no social media, nothing. And we used to like go places and just talk to them. There was nothing else. There was no phones. You, you know, there's a phone in the wall that you put in a quarter in, but now people like, well, I'm really important. There could be something really important in Twitter. No, nothing's that important in Twitter. Okay. We are making ourselves and the world more important than it is. I think it's more important if you just take the time to be present. And so I am fascinated by how many people I'm not talking about people on social media to build their business brand. I'm talking about people who are obsessed with watching YouTube video after YouTube video after YouTube video, or just scrolling endlessly. And it's like, really? I mean, I do, if I ever, I may be on social media consuming maybe 30 minutes a week. Okay. I just don't, I, I don't like consuming. I like posting and which sounds kind of heretical. I know, but just deal with it. Um, but I'm, if I decide to be on Facebook, five minutes on board. Like, Oh my gosh, this is boring. I, I, I want to get a book or go do something else. I, I, I can't be there that long. And I, like, I don't like ads. I, I don't watch ads. I can flip through the ads and stuff like that. So I just, I just want to give value to people. I, I think the best way in my opinion to market to people is to give value. I mean, uninhibited value. And I think that's the best way to do it. I think so many people are trying to do gimmicks and, and as a result, people are spending more time on social media and they're not being present. They're living in a virtual world. And even though we have augmented reality and virtual reality, you know, we still are human beings. And Gary Vanderchuk talks about, he sees a day where we're just never going to leave our house. We're going to be in our chairs all day long. We'll put the VR goggles on and go to Hawaii and then we'll take a plane trip. I said, I want to take the plane trip. I want to go to the airport. You know, I want to have that porno scan at the airport. You know, that's part of the experience. 
You know, I want to have the awful tasting airline foods. That's part of life. I, I couldn't imagine just sitting in my chair with VR goggles on all day long, you know, and maybe wearing an adult diaper. I, I, that doesn't sound appealing to me at all. Does it sound appealing to you? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. That's where it seems to be headed. But I think, I think you hit it on the head when you said part of the reason social media is so addicting is it's designed that way and that's their business model. Um, but yeah, curious. It seems there's a fine line between consuming uh, for, I guess, entertainment versus for learning. Because yes. you could argue that reading or, or listening to podcasts is, is consuming as well. Um, but uh, I guess you would argue that mindlessly scrolling on social media while you're consuming as well, it's, it's not for a productive purpose. Well, correct. I mean, if you're sitting there, like my wife likes to, and you know, you can call my wife, you know, she'll tell you, she knows I talk about this stuff. And, you know, <laughs> she, she likes following all these cute dog videos on Instagram and she'll just scroll and scroll. And I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, I, yeah, I'll look at the, I don't want to see that. Okay. It's cute. Okay. Yeah. We have a puppy. She's you. Why don't you look at your own puppy? And it's just like, she's addicted to this. And she admits she's addicted. She likes watching silly kitty, silly cat videos, silly kid videos, silly dog videos. And she's also into these, um, people who show off a gross, uh, medical procedures. Yeah. Like, I, I know my wife people are into that. I don't, I don't personally get it, but I have friends. Yeah, who my wife wanted to be that. a doctor at one point, And I'm like, no, I don't want to see that. Okay. You look <laughs> at it. I don't want to see it. And, and so, and it's just like, she said, I sent you a message on Instagram. Like, honey, I'm right here. <laughs> Why'd you send me a message? <laughs> We're right in the couch together. What do you send me a text message? For? I just don't understand people do that. They'll be, they'll be at dinner and they'll be texting each other. I'm like, they're right there. What are you doing? <laughs> so I, I don't know. Sometimes I mean, I'm only 54 and some people go, man, he sounds like he's 95. No, I just don't understand why people don't want to live in the here and now. I mean, you have this moment right now. I'm on your podcast. I'm not yeah. thinking about what I'm going to do afterwards. I'm yeah. here now. I'm not like when you ask me a question, you notice how you don't hear a, um, a pause. Cause I'm like, Oh, he's done talking. I'm on my phone. No, I'm listening to what you're saying. And I'm like, I think so many people have lost that art. My biggest pull in life is that, you know, I wish someone, my perfect job, if you want to know what my perfect job is someone to pay me a million dollars a month. And all I had to do is read. I didn't have to report on them. If I wanted to, I could, but, and I would even buy the books for my, myself. Okay. You just pay me a million dollars. All I had to do is read. I don't have to do anything else but read. I haven't found that, that job yet. Cause I love reading. <laughs> but the problem is my problem, I'll read, I'll read a book. Oh, I got to go implement that. Oh, I got to implement that. And remember what I said earlier, I'm learning to say, okay, no, I don't have to implement it now. I go right in my planner and then schedule it for a day in the future. But I'm getting really good at that. So when I'm reading, I'm always having my planner next to me. So if an idea comes, I don't go implement it. Cause one of my bad ideas is I would go implement, I go read a book for three minutes, get an idea. And then I was supposed to read for 30 minutes, but now I read for three minutes. Now I'm taking the other 27 minutes and going to apply in the idea, which didn't need to be done right then. And there yeah. wasn't going to affect world peace, but I need to harness that and say, okay, listen, put it in your planner, read it later or Come apply it. it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I have the, I have the same issue. Um, and yeah, I like how you say it's about being in the here and now and, um, when you, when you compare something like scrolling through cute dog videos on social media versus reading, um, I think an argument could potentially be made that they're both not um, necessarily being in the here and now in the environment around you. But is the difference that you're not you're unlikely to be reading a book 
when you're engaged in a conversation with someone, but <laughs> social media people are scrolling through, right? And while while they have people around them, and it seems like it's it's a lot easier to get distracted by that. Well, what's interesting is if you ask someone, you, if you see someone in the library reading a book and you go, hey, why are you reading a the book? They're going to go, duh, I want to learn something. But if you ask someone, I, I encourage the listener to do this. Next time you see someone on social media, say, why are you on social media? They're going to go, oh, what are you, stupid? What are you asking me? A they won't be able to answer the question. They'll say, why are you asking me a question? Duh. They'll do all this. But they won't be able to tell you um, an answer. They'll go, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's a fascinating. I tried this. People don't know why they're on social media. Why do you get to watch cat videos? Why do you get to watch stupid cat video, uh, stupid kid videos? Why? Yeah, yeah. Um, they're funny. Okay. Besides they're funny. What else? What value are you getting from it? Uh, and they think I'm like trying to do some voodoo on them. And I'm like, what are they doing to me? I'm like, I asked you a question and they can't give me an answer. I'm like, why are you drawn to social media? Like a moth to a flame. Yeah. And, and what are you getting out of it? Maybe it's it's entertainment, but I, I like your approach. And you said you you set your goals or tasks and things you want to do for the day, and then you you allow yourself time for entertainment later, whether that's social media for a short period of time or watching TV, and and maybe that's just the approach. Yeah, like I tell people, if you want to be on social media, every phone that I'm aware of has an alarm on it. I'll say, so you set your alarm. 30 minutes, maybe 45. I wouldn't do more than an hour and go to the app store and get the most horrible sounding alarm sound, download it to your phone. And then when the 30 minutes is up, then get off social media. What happens is people get on social media for a little while air quotes here. And, and all of a sudden three hours later, because yeah. they just keep scrolling and scrolling and there's nothing there to say, Hey, knucklehead, get off social media. And they're like, Oh my gosh, it's dark out. Where'd everybody go? They're in the bed. And cause you got lost in, in, in the social media world. And so you have to set those parameters up and say, okay, it stops here. Yeah. And if you don't set those boundaries off, you're going to be like a, a wild horse just running through the wilderness. Anything, anything you would want to say in closing? I know we started off around multitasking. I think we're generally, <clears throat> generally on the same page related to that. Anything you want to close around productivity? Yes. Tell your time where to go instead of wondering where it went. Make it a priority in your life to sit down and think about, think about what you want to accomplish tomorrow. I don't care if you go to a corporate job or you work for yourself, tell your time where to go. Now, if you work for a corporate job, you may not have as many hours as other entrepreneurs do, but go through the exercise. And what I recommend people do is I plan the day on paper, then I convert it to my iPhone because there's something magical, something powerful. When you write out your plan in your own handwriting, in your pen, in your planner, that it really cements it. Cause you're like, okay, I can't erase this. Like I can, I can erase an event on my iPhone. I'm like, okay, I don't want to put something here. It's not going to happen. And so I think about what I want to do today. And then before I write it down, I'm like, okay, is this going to move the needle? And I'm getting better and better at this every passing day. I'm like, okay, is this going to move the needle? Now, everything I do doesn't move the needle. When I walk my pooch, that's not moving the needle, but she kind of likes to walk. So, you know, so not everything needs to move the needle, but the vast majority of your working day needs to move the needle. Mark, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you having me on the show and I would just want to invite people if they're interested to learning more. I have a free 
seven-day productivity challenge. All you have to do is go to my website, mrproductivity.com. That's Mr. All Spelled Out. You just give me two minutes a day for the next week. I will teach you strategies on how you can be more productive. Awesome. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks again for tuning in to Can I Ask You a Question? If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you left a rating on iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening from so that more people like you can discover it. Also, it'd be super helpful if you'd be willing to leave some feedback on any ideas you have for improving future conversations using the link in this episode's description. Thanks again and see you next time.